tonight basking in your presence. Thank you for your daughter and the son that sang over us today. That reminded us of your power and that there is nothing like calling on your name. Thank you again that in this season you are yet beckoning us to worship you. Would you teach us this morning what real worship looks like for the one who is struggling to let themselves go, for the one who is struggling with pain and heartache and sadness? Pull them in gently, Lord, into that river of grace where, Lord, we can rest in your finished work. Father, thank you for the sweet spirit that's in this house. Yes, Lord. Would you be so kind this morning as to open up our eyes, our ears, remove the distractions of this world, Forgive us for our sins, for they are many. Wash us, make us white as snow. Give us the ability to hear what your spirit has to say this morning. Unimpeded with the distractions of this world, we would see you, Jesus. Give me preaching power, please, Master. That preaching may be done. Prop me up. But you do the work. And Lord, we'll give you the honor. We'll give you the glory. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. And every blood-bought believer said amen. amen. And amen. While you're resting on your feet, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, how about that praise team? Amen. My God, my God, you can't find worship like that everywhere. We praise God for you all in your ministry. Thank you so much. Matthew chapter 2, very familiar passage of scripture there. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they came saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, he's to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Uh -huh. For thus is written by the prophet. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, You all go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back a brother a word that I may come and worship him also. Y'all know he was lying, right? Okay. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them yes, yes. until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasure, somebody say stewardship. Stewardship. They presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. For Christmas sermon in 2019, I want to tag this message, Going to See the King, The Wise Men's Journey. Going to See the King, The Wise Men's Journey. There's no greater honor on earth, beloved, than to be on a journey in life to worship and see our king. Uh -huh. Can I park right there? Park right there. You know you're on a journey this morning? You walking through earth, but this ain't the end. Amen. You all on your way somewhere. Some of you know where you're going. Some of you don't have a clue. But I know where I'm going. I'm on my way. Going to see the king. Can I say some more? And we were created... For worship. We were designed to worship. Yes, sir. Beloved Brother James, that's why we worship stuff. Like we were, I heard somebody hollering in the sanctuary this morning, 49ers. Amen. Worship their team. Amen. Everybody worships something. Look at your look at your attire, your jewelry, your bling, whatever it is. You were designed to worship. That's why you pray stuff. But God put that in you. That desire to worship things. We have our favorite people, our favorite songs, our favorite musicians. We like to lift up people, places, and things because we like to honor stuff. Here it is. So y'all can look like you want to say amen. We are creatures of worship. And that's why this text is so arresting today. Because here we see a glimpse of those who are passionate about worship. 
The wise men in this text, Leah, were driven, daughter, to worship. They were motivated to worship. They were excited about their worship. And they bring for you and I an example of what true worship really is. The text suggests that Jesus had already made his descent into the earth. He was born to the little virgin girl named Mary. Her husband and her were residing in a place called Bethlehem. And it's there in this little city of Judah that the scripture had been fulfilled. And at the same time that the scripture had been fulfilled, there are people who are waiting the fulfillment of this promise. So when the wise men come on the scene, Reverend Nichols, they come for you and I, son, as a snapshot of how we ought to come to worship Jesus. Y'all in here? We too ought to come ready. We too ought to come willing. And we too ought to come excited to have the privilege to go and see the king. The wise men knew why, Brother Rodney, they came to worship. They knew who they came to worship. And they knew the opportunity they had in worship. The, the wise men knew, Sister Billings, this was the greatest king that there ever was and would be. Now, the alarming thing about this passage is that everyone doesn't come to worship Christ as the king of glory. No, the world ain't all worshiping him today. And within this text, there are some key points for us to examine, beloved, on our journey as we encounter him in worship. And I want to address what they experience on their journey. Let's look at their observations on the journey. Their obstacles on the journey and their opportunities on the journey. Amen? Amen. Y'all going to help me? You say amen, I promise I'll get through quicker. They said, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, right. (laughs) Try me, it's Christmas, try me. Verse one, read the text with me, ready? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea Mm -hmm. in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to what, beloved? Worship Worship him. When we arrive at this verse, the first thing we notice in the text is that Jesus was born into a dark and troubling world. Uh He was born in a city called Bethlehem Uh that the Bible describes as the house of bread. But the Jews in this city, Bethlehem, the house of bread, were living in poverty. Come on, somebody say, wasn't no bread in the house. They were experiencing oppression from the Roman government. They were struggling with their finances, just like you and I. And they were under the rule of a wicked king named Herod, who was working with Rome to oppress the Jewish people. Herod hated the Jews. And he wanted nothing to do with the Jews. So when Jesus came to the earth, what Matthew wants you and I to see is that he was born into poverty. He was born into hatred. 
He was born into oppression and racism and all the same opposition that the Jews had to face. Open it up. This was human suffering that was waiting on the Savior of the world. See, he's not a Savior that can't identify with your struggle. Can I say some more? The text says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Brother Ron, in the days of Herod, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. And when we come to this portion of the text, Matthew the writer reveals a twist in the narrative for you and I. After he announces that the world was what it was and the government was who it was, he then shows us three men who were also on a journey coming to look for where Jesus was supposed to be born. These wise men are called the Magi. It comes from our English word magician. But in this context, they were philosophers, priests, astronomers. They were from the countries of Persia and Arabia. These were learned men, men from the academy, right? And they devoted themselves to astronomy, to religion, and to studying medicine. They were also men that were highly esteemed by the Persian courts and were admitted to their armies as counselors and guides for those armies that were on warfare in the world. Uh Let me explain some more. These brothers had great wealth, Uh intelligence, and a hunger for the truth. Mm. They were men who were looking to worship God. And as a result, they had devoted their lives to studying the scripture. They were Gentiles. Gentiles who knew, Reverend Tong, about the prophecy of Daniel, Uh Micah, and Isaiah. That's why they have been following the stars, trying to find out where this Messiah was going to be born. And God revealed himself to them through the prophecies and through the heavens. And that's why they traveled from so far to come and meet the one that the father was talking about. Can I say some more? There ought to be some wise men and women among us today. The same God who changes not is still revealing himself to humanity today. Right now, the scriptures are speaking about the birth of the one who was to come. And you ought to have the same wisdom that they have when it comes to worshiping the king. Can I say some more? When I searched the text this morning, I can't help but notice, Pastor Zuniga, everyone in life, as I mentioned earlier, is on this journey. But some don't have the wisdom and the discernment to worship the Lord, even though God has revealed him to you. Hmm. But rather you get distracted from the journey he would have you to be on to pursue the things that are temporal and fade away. Not these, not these wise men. That's why they're called wise because they were following the discernment of God. Secondly, and that's verse 1, in verse 2 we discover that when they came, they came asking. Uh 
where exactly they could find him. You see verse 2? They say, because we've seen his star in the east. And we've come to worship him. Beloved, when you come to this portion of the text, we realize that they had partial truth, Monica. They, they knew he was coming, but they didn't know exactly where it was. They knew that he was to be born. God gave them a sign, but they didn't know where exactly he was to be located. And let me put a pin right here for just a moment. Every now and then on this journey, Brother James, God reveals himself to us in small increments or signs. Yes, yes, yes. Many times we don't know where he is or how to get to him, but we do know that he's real. And that he's trying to show us some more about himself. So what we need is we need some individuals we can talk to. All right. To find out what is God saying in his word. What does it mean? Can I say some more? They, they, they followed the star, but they didn't worship the star. Well, nobody talking about I'm Gemini, I'm, Jer I'm Jericho or whatever. You know how some of y'all worship the stars. Get up in the morning and turn to the newspaper real quick. Trying to see what your star is saying today. Your sign. Are you with me here? That, that wasn't them. They understood that the star speak, but they wasn't worshiping the star. Here, here it is because I done made somebody mad already. I'm, that's all right. That's all right. They worshiped the one who made the star. Came with a question for those who lived and knew about the coming of the king. Mm -hmm. Did you catch it? Mm -hmm. They went to Jerusalem to ask questions. Because somebody in Jerusalem should have the answer yes, to where their king was going to be located. Oh, no. Are you with me here? I like this right here in the text. When they come, they ask, where is he who was born king of the Jews? We looked. At the observation of their journey. Let's look now at the obstacles on their journey. Verse 3. The Bible says, when Herod the king heard this. This is funny right here. Matthew didn't say it. But they go to a king asking what a real king. Oh, Lord. You, you, you just posting up right here. There's another king the stars told us about. And we come to find out. Where is he? Because we know you ain't the one. Y'all in here now? And that's why the Bible says in verse 1, when he heard this, he was troubled. Y'all sitting up now. Okay. He was troubled, and the Bible says, and. Somebody say, and. And all. Circle that, right? All of Jerusalem was troubled, too. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes, these are the people that's supposed to know the Bible. He gathered them all together. Herod inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Can I work right here for you? Beloved, when the wise men come to Jerusalem, they came to get instructions on where the king was. Instead of information, Andre, they got obstacles. What do you mean? See, in Jerusalem is where they should have received help. In Jerusalem, they should have seen the light also. In Jerusalem is where they should have got refreshed on the journey. But instead, when they got there, they got obstacles. And when they got to Jerusalem, nobody could minister to them. Nobody could give them instructions. Nobody could direct them where to find Jesus. Because 
everybody in Jerusalem was doing their own thing. That's why the text says, uh, daughter Gina, that when they asked the question, the king was troubled and all of the religious people were troubled. Can I say some more? The king was troubled because he thought, man, uh, if the new king come, I'm out of job. And he might do to me what I've been doing to his people. So a new king means war to a pseudo king. Secondly, the people in Jerusalem were troubled because they had been in cahoots with the false king. And a new king might come and put them on blast and remove them from their positions of power and authority. And when the new king comes, this means a change of life for the way I've been living. That's so true. That's true. If the king came now, that would mean new leadership for a fallen people. Instead of waiting for Jesus and being excited about his coming, the Bible says to you and I, they were troubled. They were troubled because, here it is, Bethlehem was just 10 miles from Jerusalem. That's right, that's right. And according to the scripture, he wasn't going to be born in Jerusalem, he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Can I say some more? And if he was this close, we in trouble. If he this close, Things getting ready to change. And he's this close. Y'all, we better get it together. I feel like saying something. Can I drop it right there? Can I tell you he's close? You better shake yourself. That time you thought you had, you better re-examine yourself. He's closer than you think. The real king. Why you playing like you a king? You in charge of you. You in charge of this. You better watch yourself. The real king is closer than you think. That ain't in my notes. I just thought I'd put that in there. Can I say some more? When you come to this text, when I look at this, a new king is trouble for them. A new king means there's changes on the way. The Bible says that when Herod heard this in verse 7, he secretly, somebody say secretly, he called for the wise men. He, in other words, he put the, the, the priests and the scribes out the room and had a sidebar conversation with the seekers. Pulled them in there, Bible says, and he asked them or determined for them, what, what, what time did y'all see the star? Verse 8, told him in Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem. Y'all go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring a brother back a word that I might come and worship him too. What a snake. Here we find that Herod couldn't actually find the actual place of the master's birth, but he put together a diabolical plan. And his plan, watch this, y'all, wasn't to worship Jesus, but it was to silence him. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all do know the prophecy, or you read it in the text where Herod kills all the firstborn boys, right? Because he's trying to wipe out Jesus before his ministry begins. But listen to what Herod says to these men. Y'all go and worship him. Mm -hmm. Look, go and do what you come here to do. He said, go and tell him, y'all, how wonderful he is. Go go, go and meet with your king and even bring him an offering. What a diabolical plan to wipe out the baby. 
before he could have a chance. See, if Herod really wanted to worship, he would have got off the throne. Yeah. Jumped in the caravan, right, right, right. grabbed his own offering, and came with them. Let us go and worship him. Can I say some more? If he really wanted to worship, he would have dropped everything. But he didn't want to worship. He wanted to kill the word made flesh. He said, Pastor, what does that got to do with me? Glad you asked. You know some people that's just like Herod. And they close to you. In fact, on Sunday morning, they can't wait for you to go to worship. So when you return, they can kill the word you heard. They want to assassinate the ministry of the word in your heart. In fact, they can't wait what that fool talk about today. They don't want you to worship. They don't want to worship, but they want to find a way to assassinate what God has said to you, has breathed on you, has sang over you, right? They can't wait to assassinate what you believe and why you believe it. They don't want to worship Jesus. Rather, they want to see him dead. Why? Can I tell you why? Because a king like Jesus is a threat to those who want to be on the throne of their own lives. A threat like Jesus is a threat to those who want to be the king and God of their own lives. That's why the comedians poke fun at your church. They poke fun at your faith. They poke fun at your giving. They poke fun at your living. They poke fun at your mission, your ministry. They can't wait to stab at you because they want to be king and God of their own life. You know, I found out I don't give them nobody really a reason in church to hate me. You ain't really mad at me. You mad at the one I work for. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I just, you know, I'm just the one, you know, I take the shots. Are you with me here? Because I ain't telling you nothing he ain't told me to say. Am I making sense here? Okay, we've looked at their observations. We've looked at their obstacles. But let's look now at their opportunities on the journey. I got excited right here. The text says in verse 9, When they heard the king, the wise men, they departed. And behold, the star, yes, which they had seen in the east, it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. What a beautiful passage. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the text, we get to see an opportunity emerge that would make their journey from the east worthwhile. What do you mean, Pastor? As soon as they left the confusion in Jerusalem, they received a sign again from the Lord. See, God had intended for them to worship his son. And he had a plan for them to bow down and meet the Savior. The same sign they saw in the east appeared again. One more time. This time, it took them right to where the king was located. Let me give somebody some good news who happens to be dwelling in confusion right now. God has a way 
to direct you to the place where he needs you to be. You might be in a relationship that's confusing right now. You might be in a situation that's confusing right now and it's foggy and you can't see. Listen, listen, here's what I want you to know. Trust the sign that God is about to show you. Don't make a decision based on the relationship you're in. It's the wrong one. That's it. That's it. Come on now. God has a way, beloved, of showing you where he is that you may come and worship him. Here it is. When your way gets confused, look for the sign. And his sign is the word. Oh, that was good. It felt good. Here it is. Where the word of God is being preached, that's the place to worship him. Where the word of God is being taught, that's the place, beloved, to worship him. You can look and look and look, but if the word ain't in relationship, God ain't in the relationship. Come on in here. You trying to make him or her come to Jesus. They don't want Jesus. If the word ain't in the relationship, you better bounce. If they don't have the fear of God in their lives, you better break. You better get out of there. I don't care how you try to fix it and how much you pray. If God ain't opened it yet, get on out down the road. Herod didn't know where the lamb was. Uh-uh. And when they understood that, God gave them a sign. Look at the text, verse 10. Don't make it up. Look it up. When they saw the star. I like that. Bible says they rejoice. With exceedingly great joy. Why? They understood the star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, the star took them to where he was. They saw the young child oh, yes. with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Yeah. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. Beloved, when they found the king... Uh, yeah, they found the word. Yeah. Didn't they? Am I right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they found the Savior, they found the word. Wasn't he the word in the beginning? That became flesh. And they found him in the house of bread, Bethlehem. Right where the prophet said he was going to be. Here it is. The word of God had told them where living bread was going to be born. And when they found him, I like this right here, they rejoice. I'm having church up here all by myself. Their joy was due to the success of their search. Everything they've been traveling for had come to pass. Here it is. All the long nights, billings of wandering, following the sign had now been worthwhile. All the valleys, John, all the mountains. All the hills and the rivers, the dangers seen and unseen, had all been worth it now. Because they found the one they had been looking for. Oh, help me preach it all up here. Once they saw Jesus, the journey was made sweet. Why? Because in Jesus, there was salvation. In Jesus, there was hope. In Jesus... There's peace. In Jesus, there's life. In Jesus, 
was their savior. And when they saw him, Abu, they worshipped him. The word in the Greek is proskuneo. Y'all know that word. You've heard me talk about it several times. But it means to prostrate oneself. It means to bow down in humble reverence. I got some new faces here. Let me show you. I used to have the cutest little dog in Birmingham, Alabama. Her name was Lucy. <laughs> Lucy was a dots hound and she loved everybody. But I think daddy, she just loved a little more. She was my girl. When I come in the house, Lucy would bow her little cute head. And she wait for me to stick my hand out so she can lick the hand of her master. Uh. <laughs> Lucy taught me what proskuneo was. To worship the one who takes care of you. To worship the one who provides for you. Whenever she saw me, it didn't mean I could have just went outside to the car and came back. She prostrated. Right, right, right. She was a constant reminder that, Daddy, you the man. Are you with me here? Come on in here. I'm going somewhere. When the wise men saw Jesus, they bowed down. Proskuneo, you the man. You the one we've been looking for. You the one our hearts long to be with. You're the reason for our existence. You're the reason why we have the stars. They bowed down. Excuse me, y'all. I just feel some kind of way. They bowed down and worship him. Can I park the car right there? See, I don't need a whole lot on Sunday morning to get me to come to the house of the Lord. Something just happened to me when I roll out of bed and I'm two feet hit the floor. And I look at them ten toes. Something just start burning on the inside, John. I, I just can't wait to get here to tell them thank you for all you've done for me. Yes. Proskuneo. Anybody in here know how to proskuneo? Is there anybody here this morning got time to worship him? I don't need many, but if I just had five on this side to say, Pastor, I got ten good reasons why I can praise his name. Is there five over here? Ten, he's been good to me. Nine, he's my God. Eight, he's the Alpha and Omega. Seven, he's the bright and morning star. I'm gonna wait on you. Six, he's my way out of nowhere. Five, he's the Lamb of God. Four, he's taken away the sin of the world. Three, he's healed me when I've been sick. Two, he's my all in all. One, because he's good like that. I got a reason to praise him. I got any worshipers in here. Y'all too cool. Come on over here. Is there 10 of you over here? Gotta join me. Just get on your feet and take a praise break. Give him praise for all he's done for you. Gotta thank you. You're worthy. You're worthy of where you brought me from. I was high, but now I'm sober. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Anybody here? They worship him. Let me get out of here. Y'all making me preach this morning. I, I didn't come to do all that, but let me tell you. They worship. It has substance. What do you mean, Doc? They brought something to worship. I like them, Tom, because they weren't spectators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought something to worship. That's right. 
They brought a desire. They brought themselves. And they brought their resources. Y'all in here? They recognize I'm rich, but I ain't worthy to see the king. I'm having a little something, but I don't deserve this privilege. I'm pretty well off. I'm educated. I'm, I'm taken care of. I'm doing well by life. But this is the king of glory. And what can I bring the one who's brought everything to me? Y'all in here? Look at their stewardship in the text. Y'all knew I was going there. Look at their stewardship. The Bible says they presented gifts. Y'all see it? Gold. Uh-huh. Frankincense right. and myrrh. myrrh. Can I unpack that? Notice the three different type of gifts. None of their gifts were the same. Because each man had their own stewardship. Are you with me here? No gift was bigger than the other. But all the gifts had significance. Watch this now. For the ministry. The ministry of what? The ministry that God has sent Jesus to earth to fulfill. These gifts that they brought were gifts for the ministry. Oh, come on. They didn't bring him nothing he couldn't use while he was laboring on earth. Matthew Henry, a friend in my library, said, Wilson, what you see is complete surrender. In the life of these worshipers, they have a willing desire to suffer in their travels, but to bring to him something of significance because he had come from so far to be a living sacrifice on their behalf. Oh, y'all missed your shout right there. Their gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here it is. Somebody's waiting. They offered gold because as a king, paying tribute to him is what you did when you saw the king. But notice, he's a king in the poorest city in Judea. Mom and daddy is poor. Gold would help Joseph and Mary as they try to take care of baby Jesus. Oh, come on, help me. They offered frankincense as God. Yeah, frankincense was an incense offering. It would be a sweet, yeah, smelling aroma that would accompany his life as he became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Okay, y'all not moved there. Let me give you this one. They offered myrrh, myrrh because. He could use this when he died. He's a baby. Why are you thinking about death? He's no normal baby. He was born to die. And so they brought him an offering that would help him in the ministry of dying. Uh, It was embalming fluid. Jesus, you're going to need this for where you're going. So they brought him the myrrh. To tell him from the birth, be ready to die. That's what the star said. And the prophecy said, you coming to do. Well, I got to leave it now. I'm going to empty the truck. I don't know.
like this though. In this world, he came as a king, but a poor king. So gold for his ministry would help him. In this world, he would deserve some worship. And incense would please the one who sent him to be a sacrificial offering for the sin of the world. In the world, he would die for the sins of the world. And again, myrrh would preserve his body for three days until he rose again. Their stewardship, ah, here it is, it had purpose. Ah, here it is. Their stewardship was different from one another's, but everyone has something to give. And they gave what they had to bless the ministry of the king of glory and his ministry at earth. Can I park the car and talk to you? I listened to some of y'all's conversation about stewardship. And you'll be quick to say, stewardship is more than just about the money. You know, it's what you do here, it's what you do there. As if you're afraid to tell people your money belongs to God. And the ministry in the earth costs money. Quit playing with stewardship like you're afraid of it. You got a biblical example in the text. Don't make excuses about what God has given you. You're going to give an account even about the money. Wow. People who are afraid to talk about the money don't really understand stewardship. I can't wait to give God every dime in my pocket. Every time it comes in. If it's going to bless the ministry. I talked this morning. I watched some of y'all. I'm, I'm pastoring now. Excuse me, visitors. <laughs> I talked to y'all about our babies this morning. Yeah, yeah, Should have seen y'all looks. How important they are. Eternal creatures. Yes. Given to you on loan from God. Yeah. And I said to you, we need more resources in the kids' worship zone so we can make ministry better. To make them better disciples of y'all. Mm. That's what they need. Tell the truth. That's what they did. Your stewardship ain't for me. Your stewardship is for the ministry God gave you. Are you with me here? And if you're a member of this church, your ministry is raising them babies. It's to one another. And if there's no resources in the house, there's no ministry to be done. Can I tell you something? What if they didn't bring Jesus what he needed? How difficult would the journey have been from Bethlehem to Calvary? God has called you, beloved, to a higher calling in ministry. And I'm unapologetic about getting on you about it. Amen. I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you why. There's too much at stake. Right, right. When you stand before God, I want to be right there saying, I told him. That's right. So the blood ain't on my hands. Y'all lean in here. Lean in here. Lean in here because I want you to see something. God trusts you with what you got. Some of you got gold. Some of you got frankincense. Some of you got myrrh. He wants you to bring it to him from where he has brought you from. Then you make the sweet smelling savior of worship. Can I tell you? 
ordinary king. Obama is an ordinary king. Bush is an ordinary king. That's ordinary. This king walked on water. That ain't ordinary. This king gave sight to the blind. That ain't ordinary. Can I preach a little? This king raised the dead. That ain't ordinary. This king cast out devils. Gave sight to the blind. Went one Friday night to a hill called Calvary and did what money can't do. This king died. Didn't he die? To pay for your sins. This king punched your ticket into glory. Because of this king, hell ain't your home. This ain't no ordinary king. They put him in another man's tomb. And early, early, Sunday morning, this king got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. This king will make you run when ain't nobody chasing you. This king dries your eyes from the tears of life. This king heals your body when medicine don't work. This king will put joy when there has not been any. This king will give you hope when Costco run out of it. This king is greater than any earthly king. He's no normal king. Grandma said he's a lily in the valley. A bright and morning star. Grandpa said he's my walking king. He's my lean to. He's my all in all. This ain't no ordinary king. Excuse me while I shadow out. I don't serve an ordinary savior. Can I tell you why? My king keeps the world spinning on her axis. My king created gravity. My king created the, the veins in your body. The heart that pumps the blood through those veins. The white and red cells that work organically on his behalf. My king made the eyelids. My king made the earlobes. My king made the cochlea. My king gave the skin cells. My king created the taste buds. My king, hey, I'm doing some kind of way. My king's been good to me. He's been better than me. He's a new king doing a new thing. So how can I? Hold back any little peasant thing that he's given to me to worship him with in the earth. I'm through with apologizing about asking you to be a good steward to him. Shame on you. And you won't worship him the right way. Shame on you. And you're afraid to give him what's his. It's your fault. You don't receive what he has for you. But as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good. Hey. 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 I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that paid the price for me. The new king gave his blood. Trump wouldn't do that. Obama didn't do that. 
Bush didn't do that. Right. That blood wouldn't count. No. They need the same blood I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new king yeah. has got plenty of blood. Yeah. Can the church say amen? amen? I know it was the blood. Come on, help me. I know it was the blood. Oh, I know it was the blood for me. Oh, one day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood. Oh, 